Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Colin Hansen, who is the Vice President of Content and Editor-in-Chief for the Gospel Coalition, a podcaster and author, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. Great to have you. If you're new, welcome aboard. Great to have you as well. In today's conversation, I speak with Colin Hansen, VP of Content and Editor-in-Chief for the Gospel Coalition. He's a podcaster and an author of numerous books. His latest, Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age. Yes, what an anxious age we are living in. Um, Not only in the past 12 months, um, but has happened long before then. It is a pre-existing condition, to use medical terms. so I'm excited to, to share and just dig into this conversation. We talk about some themes um, that he's, he's noticed uh, in collaboration with Sarah, who uh, also co-authored the book, um, of what Resolute Hope looks like across the world through different life stories of transformation um, that I know you will leave you encouraged and inspired. Um, and we, we break down some of the different themes that are countercultural in nature um, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. And here's my conversation with Colin Hansen. Colin, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Oh, thanks for having me here today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so you're, uh, you know, as I, as I mentioned, you're an author and uh, you have a, a book coming out. So congratulations on your, uh, your latest book, which will be releasing early April as scheduled and um, definitely a, a timely book as well. Um, Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age. Um, and I, I know when I think about the last 12 months, you know, this, we're, we're talking now in April or rather end of March, the last 13 months, I'd say, is one of those events I'm still quite young, so it'll be something where I know I'll remember for the rest of my life, certainly, but wanted to know, you know, there is a lot of anxiety. Is this, is, uh, is the book that you're kind of going to be, is this book kind of in a response to the coronavirus, or is there something kind of bigger that's been going on under the surface um, in, uh, in anxiety? Because I know it's for me, my anxiety has definitely rose. I think it's actually a pre-existing problem. So um, we signed our contract and planned to do the book in December of 2019. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we we barely knew. In fact, my co-author, Sarah Zalstra, had traveled Mm -hmm. for the book um, to Kuala Lumpur and to meet with a number of Chinese pastors. And they were just trying to decide whether or not it was safe to be able to travel around the world to be able to attend this event. Mm-hmm. And they had just made the decision not to let the pastors from Wuhan, China, mm-hmm. come uh, to this event. And so, mm-hmm. so that was the context in which we wrote most of the book. It was conceived well before that because mm-hmm. I think we have a much bigger problem and with with uh, just feeling ill at ease, whether it be a diagnosed anxiety or sort of run-of-the-mill uh, spiritual anxiety mm-hmm. that I think is is facilitated and I think triggered and exacerbated by 
so much of what we know about how what's happening in the world and how it's being framed for us and mm -hmm. how it's being served up and presented for us. So I don't know that you could look at any time period in history and not find something to worry about. But in our time period, we can know about all of it practically instantaneous and using social media feeds mm -hmm. that are designed to be able to make us feel anxious. And that is a, that is a new challenge. Um, mm -hmm. So how do we go from a situation where by almost any metric, we are more comfortable, we have more luxuries, we have more wealth in the aggregate than ever before, mm -hmm. and yet we feel more anxious. So what is, the, what is the source of that disconnect? And I think a lot of the source of the disconnect is to put a fine point on it, people who get paid a lot of money to make us feel bad about ourselves. Because when they make us feel bad about ourselves, they try to then medicate us through products mm -hmm. and through experiences and basically to sell us soap. Uh, so that's our book mm -hmm. is trying to be an antidote uh, yeah. to that and show Christians a better way. Yeah. No, well, thank you. Um, and so I think we'll, we can hold on to one of those points there, um, which I think is the rate of information that we're receiving, I think. And um, perhaps the sources of where we're getting our information and uh, I know there for the point for myself, there was, you know, I was, I, my emotions would change when I would scroll through um, from feed to feed. And I'm sure that that, you know, data scientists and psychologists uh, and market research analysts think about these things when they're looking for something to be attractive and for you to get addicted in um, just on to your screen or to social media or to 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 your news sources. Um, can you talk a little bit about what is that? Is this something that we're seeing everywhere or is it kind of context specific or it, it seems like it's challenge in China and in the United States here? Yeah, if you're using social media that is for free, then as the saying goes, then you are the product. Uh, your information is being mm -hmm. harvested. Your information is being sold. Um, your, uh, your habits are being learned. And the key is that through that data, people are able to identify how to provoke you. Um, what will make your gaze linger? What will make you click? Now you can watch a documentary, The Social Dilemma on Netflix to be able to hear a lot more about this. And mm -hmm. this, I mean, Netflix is, is one of these and how it decides of what, what to serve up next for you. I, I remember years ago, Netflix revealed something, I don't know if I'd say um, maybe self-aware and they posted on Twitter uh, our enemy is sleep. Mm -hmm. I thought, how, how true is that? Uh, sleep is a good thing. Sleep is a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. Sleep is what the Lord God does on the last day of creation and then commands us based on that to do that ourselves. And so mm -hmm. it's, you know, to, to rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet we find that I mean, just think about the last 100, 125, or whatever years, think about electricity, think about all the things that that facilitates, all of a sudden day and night don't matter in the same way, the rhythms don't matter, we get less and less and less sleep, 
Um, one of the things that I'll often hear from college students where they report high levels of anxiety is that you ask follow-up questions like, what are you eating? Mm -hmm. And it's bad food, bad times, mm -hmm. not, nothing very nutritious. Um, how much sleep are you getting? I mean, it's a few hours of sleep or something like that. It's just way less than they need. So, right. yeah, it's context-specific to places that don't value rest, where electronic, uh, our experiences with the world are especially mediated electronically, right. um, including at certain times, such as the, the COVID shutdowns right, right. Um, that have been so difficult for us and that have tied us uh, to our devices. And so um, we think in, in Gospel Bound that... Right this is not the best way to live. This is not a way to commend Christians. And in fact, that it's a reason behind mm -hmm. so much of the problems that we've seen with the church mm -hmm. in the last year. So our hope is that, sure, maybe you'll find out about our book via social media, via this podcast, right. via whatever. Right. Um, but our hope is that in that process that you will sort of take it, read it, and then put it into practice in mm -hmm. your neighborhood mm -hmm. um, as a way of... Um, you know, instead of just scrolling on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you look through several themes or maybe characteristics or marks kind of of um, in, in gospel bound, right? So you've identified some different stories and have kind of consolidated them into, you know what, these are, this is kind of part of what it, what it looks like to be gospel bound, to have resolute hope. Can you um, just summarize, just to, you know, kind of run through, run through these and then we'll, I, there's a few that I definitely want to kind of hone in on as well without, um, you know, give, hopefully giving re listeners an opportunity to grab the book themselves. Sure. So what I, what I did is I went through the book of Romans especially, and Romans 12 in many ways is a, is a thematic, um, the theme for the book. It's a, after all of this amazing theology about what God has done through Christ on the cross, what he's doing mm -hmm. to reconcile Jew and Gentile together in the church, what he's doing to bring hope and fulfillment to the plan of, of uh, his plan of, uh, through Israel as a mm -hmm. servant. Um, you get to Romans 12, which are these ethical admonitions for how we're supposed to treat one another. And mm -hmm. what we really did is it built the entire book around a lot of these different elements especially from the from the book of Romans that we we see Christians putting into practice and so some of it's just it's just pretty simple but countercultural stuff right, it's uh, right. caring for the weak okay it's one of the things that we're called to be able to do where we are supposed to show hospitality so we call that uh, setting another seat at the table it talks about how we seek the the renewing of our minds we, we seek to serve others and more broadly within Paul's epistles we mm -hmm. consider others more important than ourselves we describe that as gospel bound Christians they give their freedom away mm. um, and so you know they, they, they are free in Christ and they're free in Christ to be able to serve other people uh, gospel bound mm -hmm. Christians mm -hmm. love their enemies um, that's very hard to do here but Christ calls us to do this and so we have example after example of of how they love their enemies. They mm -hmm. live with honor. Um, that is not a common phrase that you see today, mm -hmm. uh, but what you see, especially related to sexuality throughout uh, Romans and elsewhere, is that they live with honor. They live before God with nothing to hide. 
They're not, they're not, they're not ashamed like Adam and Eve when they're caught in their sin. No, they, they live with honor before God, uh, no matter what sexual temptations that they may, may face. And so those are just a few examples of what we try to do there, but it was so encouraging for us in the last year to write about and to talk with and to learn from all of these gospel-bound Christians and all of these wonderful things. They were showing us the way forward through these anxious times. They were showing us the way forward to how to live out God's intent for us in Christ um, no matter the circumstances. And it was just a powerfully encouraging project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, th- this project, you know, of kind of gathering uh, stories and hearing experiences. Um, I, there's a few kind of areas I want to dig into, but I want to hear from you of like, what was the most gripping or really, um, put some more kind of meat and substance behind, um, behind that writing that really kind of carried you through that, this book here. Well, Sarah Zalstra is just an unparalleled, uh, journalist. And I give her credit for, I mean, we, we worked as partners right. through, basically all of these stories and she would often be the person talking directly to them and the Mm -hmm. people she met in Kuala Lumpur specifically who had been through persecution in China Mm -hmm. were uh, I think no doubt the most inspiring people and I think the challenge for us as Christians in in the West and in other places we don't face that kind of persecution is that we just imagine that if our circumstances are not um, if our circumstances are not fixed, if they're not if they're not worked together, then something's wrong with our faith, or our faith isn't going to be able to endure. And they just show that you can be thrown in jail. I mean, you can go through and you can endure all the things that the apostles endured, that Christ Himself had endured. Um, so, I mean, that I just that 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 mm-hmm. just became they just show us that way forward. And so those stories, lots of different people Sarah talked to, that was probably the part that stood out to me mm-hmm. the most. And while we put it at the front of mm-hmm. the book, I was, um, I was just inspired by them. Like, if you can endure this in joy, you know, suffer with joy, that was the theme that we mm-hmm. used for them. Mm-hmm. If they can suffer these things with joy, then I can put up with far less consequential things um, and still praise our Savior through that so those are my favorite stories yeah 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 and i mean we see joy through suffering so so frequent in scripture you know going through one peter now see it in james james as well and um so many places spots to talk about that yeah yeah and so um and i think maybe there's a gap too of i think a lot of listeners are from are coming from the united states too and there isn't maybe this this persecution like it's like it's happening in um in countries like China or, you know, Middle Eastern places. But I've also kind of been hearing like, oh, well, the the true gospel is going to have, when you're entering with it, it's going to be countercultural regardless. Like you don't have to work harder for it to be counter or do anything for it to be countercultural because it will be. Um, Can you perhaps maybe, does that make sense? Could you elaborate a little bit on on that for bridging that kind of gap? Well, if the... We, we focus a lot in the book on the second century church. This is really a period of expansion through the Roman Empire and also confrontation with a lot of Roman values. And what I learned from the, 
the late scholar Larry Hurtado and others is that Christians are, are going to be both accessible and odd. And by accessible and odd, we mean that Christianity is going to translate in any different language around the world. It's going to translate into any different culture. But it's always going to stand out mm-hmm. at the same time. It's always going to be countercultural. The way that uh, one of my mentors and, and boss at the Gospel Coalition, Tim Keller, puts it, it's a counterculture for the common good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a counterculture. The Gospel is about how the world's values have been upended through Christ, the Savior, the Creator, the Sustainer of all things, who submitted to death even on a cross. Mm-hmm. That's about mm-hmm. as countercultural as that gets. And he shows that the way down is up. Uh, the way to, to heaven is, is because Christ passed through hell for us. That's the model that we get. So it's clearly countercultural there. Right. That's for the common good. The, the focus is not simply on opposing or being different or, or poking somebody in the eye. The, the point is to be able to love them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that a lot of times mm-hmm. what people think of as love is not what's actually best for them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know that instinctively for, for parents. They know that instinctively. You don't always do for your kids. You have to be counter to your kids sometimes to be able to love them. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that it goes. Um, mm-hmm. And so we we try to mind those biblical values, historical values to be able to do that. But yeah, the gospel is offensive but hopefully if we're actually living out what the gospel calls us to, we won't, we'll be loving. We won't necessarily ourselves be offensive. Now, to some will be the aroma of salvation, to some the, you know, a sign of their of, uh, you know, conviction of their sin. And so they, mm-hmm. they may persecute us in those cases. But mm-hmm. I think that's what, um, that's just what you see all through the Bible of what you're supposed to expect. That as the gospel goes forward, some people rejoice, some people throw stones, mm-hmm. and that's just what we're supposed to expect. And mm-hmm. really, you go wrong either way if you only get one of those reactions. Right, right, Probably right. something's wrong. Right, right. No, thank you. I think that definitely helps, helps bring some more, I guess, clarity to there, um, to that. And, and so when I was looking through, and two, two struck out to me is um, loving enemies and then setting a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, I think in uh, there's kind of a particular um, philosophy of kind of how that is to be enacted kind of in the, in the present reality and here and now. Um, and I think there's, there's a gospel way to go about it. And then there's kind of a secular way to go about it as well. How do you distinguish and how would you encourage kind of people to decipher between the difference of... Um, when Jesus says to, to, you know, to love the least of these, love your enemies as well. Um, and also for welcoming people to the table that um, perhaps weren't, didn't deserve to be at the table beforehand, or I don't know how to word that. But. Yeah, well, I, I, it's a very perceptive question. And we pull especially from uh, the story of Rosaria Butterfield. She talks, we talk a lot about her practices of hospitality in North Carolina. Uh, her example is pretty extreme of just how open her life and her table is. And so not everybody is going to be able to emulate her perfectly, mm-hmm. but she can definitely challenge us in this. And one of the fascinating things about Rosaria is that her background was sort of the lesbian activist community before mm-hmm. she became a Christian. 
And so she talks about the, she learned about how she learned hospitality and that's what made that gay and lesbian community so, so strong was because of the shared hospitality. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then she talks about how she carried some of that over into Christianity and some of how she's enacted that. So we had to explore in the book what makes hospitality different for Christians as opposed to in elements of the gay community. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we found, and this is not necessarily universal within the gay community, but one of the things that we found is that that kind of hospitality can be about a shared suffering or a shared experience or a shared uh, need, um, shared lifestyle, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, but it all is predicated on you, you're not, it's not safe unless you agree. Like you, you couldn't come in and, and experience that kind of hospitality if you were not affirming of those lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christianity can come across the same way as well to people that it's not safe to be close to Christians. They won't welcome you in unless they can fully trust you on these things. But that's not the radical nature of actual Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality goes further than that. And it actually makes room for your enemies. Um, one of the stories that we tell in the book mm-hmm. from Rosaria is how she had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to befriend one of their neighbors. Right. Only to find out that those neighbors had been cooking meth in a lab. Um, in their house and the police just descended on them and if I remember correctly um, at least one of the people or multiple people in that house came to know the Lord uh, mm-hmm. through prison mm-hmm. um, as, as Rosaria and others in the in the community cared for them so that's the difference with Christian hospitality is that it can be extended even to people who don't agree with us and even the people who might actually live in some ways that are antithetical to us because the base, the basis for Christian hospitality mm-hmm. is God's hospitality to us in Christ, which is when we were dead in our trans, transgressions, dead in our sins. Right. So if God was willing to do that for us, then we have everything we need to be able to do that for others. So mm-hmm. yeah, we see a lot of good examples of common grace of people who are loving, people who are different, their neighbors, welcoming them in. But right. there are some distinctive ways Christians can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and just I think to wrap up here, um, you know, I, I do hope it, it's, it's been really uh, informative and excited to, to read through, you know, fully myself and hope listeners have had the shot as well. Um, is there any, I guess, any point uh, that you wanted to double back on or anything that you wanted to make sure that um, you'd like to leave kind of our, our listeners with um, in reflection and uh, or encouragement and then just where we can find you as well? Yeah. Sure. Well, I the concept of the book is in the very title. So in Gospel mm-hmm. Bound, the idea here is that the good news of Jesus Christ is an anchor for us in the storm. Insofar as we are bound to the gospel, we cannot be shaken. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing to realize in an anxious age. At the same time, the notion of of being bound also carries with it the connotation of, of being propelled forward, of, of leaping forward, of looking forward to something. And that's the hope that sustains us, that Christ Christ is, is come, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. So mm-hmm. we have hope that Christ is coming again to make all things new. And so that's a hope that I, I just 
I'm praying that people want to be encouraged and they want an example that they can follow mm -hmm. to live differently and mm -hmm. to live faithfully mm -hmm. in this age. And if they do, they're going to, they're going to love the book. Mm -hmm. um, they can, they can pick it up at gospelboundbook.com. Mm -hmm. You can follow me at uh, Twitter at, um, at Colin Hansen, C-O-L-L-I-N-H-A-N-S-E-N. -L -L and uh, also you can follow both uh, my writing, my podcasting mm -hmm. uh, with Sarah Z and uh, work with Sarah Zalstra at thegospelcoalition.org. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's been a real joy and um, just an honor having you on. So thanks for your time and um, excited to see where this, this book is bound to go. So um, <laughs> <laughs> got to be a little bit punny. Good work there. Good yeah. Work there. All right. Appreciate it. Yep.